Arizona Sports, Wolf and Luke. This is Behind Enemy Lines. Gathering intel on this week's Cardinals opponent from Inside Enemy Base Camp. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Your retirement is on the clock. Execute your game plan today by visiting canvasannuity.com. Hour number two of the show live from the auction community studios as the Cardinals head to Minnesota to take on the Vikings this weekend. And we are joined right now on the Arizona Sports Line as we get ready for this game by Pete Bursich, the Vikings analyst and former Vikings linebacker and coach. That's a long title. Pete, uh, thank you for the time. How's it going today? It's going great. How are you guys doing? Doing good, Pete. Man, really appreciate your time. We uh, we're oh, trying. Yeah, anytime, man. We're trying to figure out as we look at the injury report, and the Cardinals have had like fifteen guys on it every week, and the Vikings have <laughs> managed to dodge that. How did Minnesota prepare for this season, and and can the Cardinals do it next year? Well, you know what? That's a that's a great question, and if there's one thing. Um, uh, Kevin O'Connell and his staff and the performance staff and the way that they've you know designed that. So um, the weight coaches talk to the trainers, talk to the nutrition people, everybody kind of communicates. We, our, our starters, a lot of our starters, the majority of our starters didn't play a single snap in the preseason. And we were all kind of going, what is going to happen, right? We were all just waiting to see what would happen. And then you come out against Green Bay and then, you know, you, you know we, we ended up just beating them pretty handily, as handily as we've beaten that team in quite some time. So whatever that is, whatever that combination is, that Kevin O'Connell, um, you know, brought back or brought with him from, uh, from the Rams, it uh, the proof's in the pudding. I mean, knock on wood, the you know the injury report guys have been healthy, um, and we haven't uh, we haven't been bitten by that bug yet. I mean, it will happen. I mean, it, it's the NFL, but uh, for the most part, yeah. But you see, to see one name, one name on the injury report, <laughs> uh, that doesn't happen too often. No, it really doesn't. No, Pete, that blew me away. It really did right now. But <laughs> can you just go into the the degree in which you guys did not hit each other? I mean, in training camp, in preseason, how many padded practices? Could you just go into what, what were your thoughts when you were watching this? Like, these guys are not going to be ready for the season? Were you thinking that? Well... The only time, honestly, the only time I thought about that was when the, the 49ers had come out um, to practice in Minnesota. And the 49ers were, they were geared up and ready to go. They were very, very physical. And it, did, it looked like at first, you know, it, it wasn't, we weren't ready for it. or They weren't ready for that. And that was kind of the last taste that you had in your mouth, really, before the regular season for a lot of these guys. But um, they got it done. You know, they got it done in practice. Yeah. A lot of controlled um, contact, a lot of controlled game situations, tempo. I mean, there's a lot of different things. And, 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 and I don't know. I'm not there all the time, so I have no idea exactly what that magic formula is. Um, but to be able to, you know, go to London um, you know, on a, on a – on a short week as a visitor, go out there, play the Saints, uh, you know, be able to win there, and then not take the bye the following week and play at home um, against the Bears and then fly back right back, turn around and fly right back down to Miami. So you've got, you know, a couple of long road trips um, in between, you know, on either side of a home game against a division opponent. So 
that part of it has been unbelievable. Uh, the way that that whole the sports management team and how they're how they're managing the health of these guys—they're um, ready to play physically, and you know that that aspect of it's been really pretty incredible. Pete Bursich joining us, uh, Vikings analyst, heading into the Cardinals Vikings game on Sunday. Pete. What is it about Justin Jefferson, 3,600 receiving yards already in just 39 career games, 19 touchdowns. From day one, he's been amazing, and he seems to be getting better. Yeah, he is. And, and he, you know, he you look at his numbers this year, and he had a couple weeks there where, you know, where, where he wasn't as productive. Um, and from, from what I've seen in, my, in the booth and having watched this team for a long time, um, Man to man will slow us down. You know, man to man coverage. If you have three guys, three corners that can cover guys, you know, across the field, you can jam. Um, you can have safeties over the top. I think a little bit of what's happening is, you know, back when I played, uh, I played with Randy Moss, and then I was coaching with the Vikings when Randy was there. And I remember Scott Linehan, who was our offense coordinator at the time. And you know how coaches are. You watch every bit of film, you watch three games back, you know. And about halfway through the season, Linehan's like, you know, it's almost worthless for us to watch film because we don't see the coverages that they play week in and week out prior to our game because Randy's so good. And I think there's a little bit of that going on. I think there's some creativity going on. Philadelphia did a very nice job. Uh, Okun did a really, really nice job of being physical and jamming and just trying to disrupt Jefferson. And then a couple weeks go by. And you get better. Justin, you know, understood what that was, and he's got to learn to be like a defensive lineman and not let a DB put his hands on him. And, and, and if you let this man clearly, if you let this man come off the line of scrimmage and you're playing off and you let him just run the first five yards, <laughs> he's so fast and he's so quick. Uh, and at such a big catch radius, it, it, it's very, very, very difficult to slow that guy down. Pete, that that scares me. The thought of that right now. <laughs> you know, I, I was a fullback, Pete. You know, that, yeah, that just terrifies right. me. Even thinking of letting Justin Jefferson run at you as a corner. Okay, I don't want to get sidetracked. Yeah, and, and, and you know, with the way that the with the way this team operates, and they know how to use them, especially. Uh, reducing formations and doing and so protection for our offensive line and for Kirk Cousins is you know is is huge and you know I look at for you guys losing Rashard I thought you yes. know was one of your better you know one of your better defensive linemen interior especially um, you know that doesn't help um, but protection is is key it's important the short passing game quick rhythm passing game that's they're working on that this this offense is still developing. Right, they're still they're giving Kirk Cousins a lot more to handle pre-snap, I and mean, that's the big thing with Cousins. Is last year he just went out and executed an offense. Um, he got here as a seventy-one percent completion guy, and last year he was at I believe sixty-eight. Uh, this year he's well below that, and a lot of that I think has to do with just him being more involved, meaning he has the ability to get to the line of scrimmage, change things, do things. Uh, they're putting a lot more on his plate mentally. Uh, to, in running this offense, and it's you know there's a learning curve there, and so you know we'll see. I mean, we'll, you know, we will see what Arizona does and yeah. uh, how quickly they can adapt to it. Pete, talk to me a little bit about Ed Donatel. Talk to me about the defensive philosophy of Ed Donatel and what you might see him doing against the Cardinals on Sunday. You know, with I, you know, I've, I've talked with Ed a few times. Um, 
you know, I'm not, again, I don't know his philosophy. You know, he doesn't talk a whole lot. Um, but, but watching him, um, he's, he's very, I, I could, I compare, I, I kind of looked at him as he's very surgical with what he does, meaning he doesn't come into a game and didn't say, you know what, we're just going to, we're just going to blitz this game. We're going to pressure the quarterback. We're going to blitz 80% of the time. And then this week we're going to play man most of the time. And this week we're going to play zone most of the time. He, he just has little tweaks here and there. And, you know, early on in the season, people were wondering, why aren't we blitzing? We're not blitzing much. Well, if you watch a game and nothing will happen the first three quarters, and all of a sudden in that fourth quarter, we'll throw a couple new things. Like he's been keeping them in his hip pocket the yeah. entire game, right? <laughs> you know, you design it, you practice it all week, you got it there, and he just he just holds on to it till the right time. So, um, you know, from a base standpoint, it's all about the two outside linebackers maintaining, you know, maintaining contain being physical up front, yeah. um, which, you know, they've, I think they've done a good job of. But Donatel is is very – he doesn't make major changes. He tweaks week in and week out and tries to get the same look all the time. And so um, that's kind of the, that's the feeling that we're getting, that we're getting from him. And we've done – last year we were abysmal in the last two minutes of the first half and in the fourth quarter. I mean, just it was ridiculous how many points this team had given up. Um, and this year we've changed, you know, they've changed that around. And I think a lot of that has to do with, with, um, in those situations, him having a few more plays, a few more defenses, a few more calls in his hip pocket. Pete, we appreciate the time, man. Thank you. Thank you, Pete. Anytime, man. It's going to be fun on Sunday, baby. Yeah. Okay, man. Talk to you Looking later, brother. That's uh, Pete Bursich joining us right there on the Arizona sports line ahead of Sunday's matchup with the Vikings. When we come back, Devin Booker ever going to stop improving? Probably not, actually. And he explained why. We'll get into it next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Tonight, we're going to talk to Kevin Ray a little bit later on, get his uh, his thoughts. Game day with K-Ray. Is, uh, you know, everybody on New Orleans is either out or questionable. Wolf K-Ray, not questionable. Yeah, no, K-Ray's not at all. here and good to go. The only time K-Ray is questionable is whether or not he's on vacation in Barbados. <laughs> or washing cars. Remember it's the about, first? Oh, yeah. yeah I forgot about K-Ray the washing cars as well. Cars. He, still, he still did the hit, though. Uh I was kind of joking about this off the air with our own Kellen Olson yesterday. And I was like, hey, um, Devin Booker ever going to like stop improving? Like you, you see plenty of guys around the league, they get to a certain point, and then that's just kind of what they are. If Devin Booker stopped improving and he just stayed where he is now, he'd probably be a Hall of Famer when his career's over. Agreed? I mean, he's been getting better each year for seven years. He may not get a championship ring if he did that, though. Yeah. But I'll Devin Booker, game. <laughs> he continues to get better and better and better. And so I asked Kellen, is just going to go on forever? And Kellen's response was, um, it actually might. Go listen to his uh, his answer. His answer at the end of the press conference on Tuesday against the Warriors to get a sense of why Devin Booker, it's not just, oh, yeah, he's going to get better this year and the next year. Like, he wants to keep getting better even when he's not in the NBA. Here's Booker's answer. Yeah, I'm just trying to get better at my craft and, and perfect my craft and, 
you know, as you guys know, there's no perfect in this game. So, you know, it's a ongoing pursuit um, for life. You know, even when I'm retired and done, I'm still going to be hooping. My dad still plays every day, four times a week. Uh, it's just, it's in our blood. Um, and that's the beauty of this game. You can't perfect it. You know, when I hear him actually say that right now, you know what he's really professing? I love that answer, huh? Love for the game. That's what he's professing right there. How much he loves the game. This is something that I think most general managers have got to do a better job of. Somehow, some way, vetting these players that come out. I don't care what sport you're talking about. Hockey, baseball, don't care. Uh, basketball, football, whatever it may be. If you are a general manager, somehow, some way, you've got to vet. You've got to find a way to vet these players on how much they love the game. Well... And yeah. for me, you can see it. You, you can, can see it on tape. You Not hear it. Not hear some guy talk about it. You can watch tape. I've believed this about the game of football for the longest, longest time, and I still believe it. You can watch somebody play the game of football. If you watch one guy from the snap to the whistle on every play, by the start of the fourth quarter, you're going to be able to make some conclusions, draw some conclusions based on the type of person you're dealing with, well, just on watching them play. It's, and I'm not saying this just because Booker's here, but I think anybody that follows the Suns isn't surprised by that answer, especially if you know that his dad does play four days a week still. <laughs> but uh, But you don't continue to get better every year. There's a certain point where you level off if you're playing the game because... It gets you fame and you get a bunch of money or you're playing it because you got pushed into it as a kid and you just have talent or whatever. You know what I mean? If you're playing because even if the Suns didn't have a game tonight, Devin Booker would be playing somewhere. If Devin Booker worked at a construction company and didn't make it in the NBA, he'd still be playing tonight. You know what I mean? You've got now, throw all that talent on top of it, too. Right, Luke. I mean, you've got young guys that come into the NHL, Luke. Young guys that come into the NBA. Young guys that come in and, oh my goodness, it's the life, baby. It's the life. Can you imagine being 22, 23, and you've got the world on a string, basically, because of the talent you've been blessed with. You come into the league, you love, you love the life. So much of the time, you take your talent for granted. You just do. You've always been talented. You've always been this guy that was better than everybody else. You didn't even have to work at it a lot of the time. That's how talented you were. That's Devin Booker. And yet, Devin Booker... It's not about just loving the life. It's loving the game first at his core. And that's why Kobe recognized that. I believe in him and told him, be legendary. Game recognizes game. How many times do we have to say that for the last, not the last year or two, but prior to that, when if you're a Suns fan, you're like, why doesn't anybody realize how good Devin Booker does? It wasn't nobody realizes it. Kevin Durant realized it. LeBron realized it. Kobe Bryant realized it. Actual players realized it. Random fans in they New York didn't realize it. it. Who, some random Dallas fan on Twitter doesn't realize how good Devin Booker is. Who cares? The guys compete with him, the very best of all time, realized how good he was six years ago. But Luke, just stop and think about how easy it would be to get sidetracked to just love the life, man. Because he's got the life. I'm an NBA player. They're they're paying me millions and millions of dollars. Did you see what I got? The Superbox. Did you see it right? He doesn't care. 
There's something that's bigger than even the Supermax with Devin Booker. And it's getting better in the game because he loves the game. How do you how do you vet that in a player? How do you find that? I don't know. I don't have the answer, but I will guarantee you right now, there are general managers that are out there. If you do have the answer and you want to be a millionaire, go tell them what it is. <laughs> because they will pay they will pay you millions and millions of dollars if you can actually find a way to vet players just on how much they love their craft and love their game. Well, I think we could all, everybody close your eyes right now unless you're driving and think of an NBA player that's not going to be, doesn't want to play basketball when they're done. Everybody, okay, now we're all thinking of Ben Simmons. Think of somebody else. (laughs) Think of somebody that isn't Ben Simmons. He doesn't want to be playing tonight. But there are plenty of players in this league that are really good players that it's a job at a certain point. Or it's like you said, it's the life that it brings them. The life. And again, Devin Booker has gotten a lot as far as that life from playing basketball and being so good at it. But, you know, I think back to something you, you have said often, Wolf, where if you're on the field and somebody that you respect a lot comes up to you and basically says, you're hurting us out there. Or even if you're, if that person comes up and is like, we put a lot of confidence in you, like J.J. Watts, Isaiah Simmons last year, go out there and be great in the first yeah. game. I mean, Devin Booker had Kobe Bryant tell him to be legendary. There's some responsibility with that. Yeah. You can't not be legendary at that point. You're saying that had an impact on him. I feel like it I might have had all, a little bit of an impact. We all know that it does. Um, yeah, you know, I used to say this all the time about Steve Nash when he was a player. Steve Nash, does he strike you as a yeller, a screamer? Not until Wednesday this week. <laughs> I know, that was so awesome. Steve Nash wanted to go, baby. He was ready. He wanted to go. You want to go? <laughs> he was looking for a beer bottle to smash it over somebody's head. Which is a technical um, foul, as it turns out. <laughs> I thought that was so awesome to see Nash being restrained a little bit. Steve Nash wanted to go. He doesn't strike you as a screamer. So, um... Imagine the respect that so many of his teammates had for Steve Nash, knowing he wasn't a super vocal guy and knowing that he wasn't a screamer and just knowing how good Steve Nash was. What a great player he was in the NBA. Can you imagine if he walks up to you, looks you dead in the eye and say, you are killing us out here? (laughs) If that isn't a frying pan to your face, um, you're not cut out to be a professional athlete, if you ask me. And yet there are examples of this all over the league, and Devin Booker is growing into that type of guy. He is. The only thing left in my regard for Devin Booker to do is go win a championship. He's, He's the definition of controlling what you can control. I mean, at a certain point, he he can't just snap his fingers and say, okay, we, we win a championship. But you heard his answer the other night talking about Clay Thompson. Suns just beat Golden State by 29. Booker essentially got Clay Thompson tossed. At Clay's point to the four rings, and Devin Booker's answer was, he's telling us he had four rings. He's and he's right. right. <laughs> <laughs> and you could almost hear it in his voice like, I want those four rings. He's I, right. I wonder how much trash Devin Booker's dad talks on the court. If, if Devin Booker talks as much as he does, you know his dad's probably like, yeah, my son's Devin Booker. What's yeah. your son do? Do you know who my son is? <laughs> text us your thoughts to the I fathered him. FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back, come back who or what 
is going to tip the game with the Vikings on Sunday. Fulcrum football is next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona's sports. It's part of the NFL. It's not easy. It's not easy to win in the NFL. Everybody want to win. Who or what is the tipping point? That's going to be key to our success. This is Fulcrum Football with Wolf and Luke. Week 8 edition of Fulcrum Football as the Cardinals go into Minnesota to take on the Vikings, Wolf. And, of course, the recap of the rules, Fulcrum Football, it's not the best players in the game necessarily on Sunday. It's the players on either team most likely to swing the game for better or for worse. We're just going to draft them. I think I've won every week so far, right? Seven no, you have not. And, by the way, quarterbacks are frowned upon. Frowned upon. Not, uh, not unheard of, but quarterbacks are frowned upon. Okay, go ahead and flip that thing if you don't mind. There you go. Oh, look, it's heads. That's you, Luke. Hmm. Is it? <laughs> I would have ever taken heads. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's start this off. Okay, who's going to swing this game? The most? This is an interesting one. It's a little bit different than some I of the... Like this. the I like the way you're approaching this. Well, because the last few weeks, it's been pretty clear. Okay, this guy's the first pick. Uh, I'll play it safe. I'll go with DeAndre Hopkins you with the first pick. You dirtbag. <laughs> Why would you... Why would you go with DeAndre Hopkins? That sounded like a Viking horn. What was that? Yes. Um, DeAndre Hopkins is, we got to see. We got to see if he continues to unlock more and more of this offense for the Cardinals. Because if he doesn't, big picture, they're obviously in trouble. But if he can follow up that 10-catch, 103-yard performance on Thursday night, and I think we all believe he can, then they have absolutely have a chance to win this game. So, Rick, go ahead and give me the Yala horn one more time, please. The Viking Yalahorn. I don't want that. Don't say Yalahorn. That's like playing Nirvana when the Cardinals are playing the Seahawks. A horn there, man. And then pick your seat and scratch it. Okay. <laughs> a Jellerhorn. Um, yeah. That's a, there, Luke, is a Jellerhorn. <laughs> uh, it's a Yalahorn. Hmm. Okay, here we go. DeAndre Hopkins is no longer on the board, so I'm going to go with, oh, I don't know, Robbie Anderson. <laughs> How about that? Um, DeAndre Hopkins, ladies and gentlemen, needs a little aid, comfort, and shelter over the top, Robbie. <laughs> Robbie, you're 6'3", man. You're 198 pounds. You're big. You're fast. You're running a 4-3-6. We need you to run down the field, man, and run by somebody. And, oh, Kyler, look, that's Robbie Anderson. Throw up the ball. Even if you don't complete it, take a couple of shots down the field, man. You got to take shots down the field. This is where the Arizona Cardinals can improve, I think, a lot with their offense, is taking shots down the field and throwing it vertically. And the team that throws the ball the best in this game on Sunday should be the team that wins this game going away. Robbie Anderson is my first fulcrum football player. Well, how nice would it be if Robbie Anderson had... It doesn't even have to be a lot of catches, but if he came out of this game with, like, 
Hello, four catches for 74 yards and a touchdown? Is that too much to I just to like the way that, that came right off the top of your head. Four for 74? Yeah, let's go four for 74. How many targets, Luke, are you going to be happy with? Uh, How many targets do you say, want? Let's say he has six. Let's say four catches, 74 yards on six targets. I think that's a One goodly score. amount right there. I don't think that's too much to ask. No. All right, uh, my second pick. I'm going to stick with the theme we both seem to be following here, that this game could be a lot of passing. And the Vikings have a lot of weapons. And Byron Murphy is my pick. Byron? You like that? You like that? Wow, that was loud, Kirk. Uh, Settle down. Kirk's not going to like that if it's wow. Byron Murphy. Look, um, Murphy, why do you say that? Well, I, I mean, I'm assuming we're going to see a lot of Byron Murphy on Justin Jefferson because the Cardinals have shut down the opposing team's best player pretty much every week, best offensive player, pretty much every week except week one. I don't know if they can shut down Justin Jefferson, and I don't know that Byron Murphy can do it himself, but he's the uh, the, the front man in that, that secondary right now. I, You know what? Honestly, the Minnesota Vikings have seen a ton of zone so far this season. A ton. As a matter of fact, I believe it's 82%, somewhere in that range, 82 83% zone. And so much of that has to do with Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen as well. But Justin Jefferson in particular, I think they're going to see a lot of zone. I think the Cardinals are going to play a lot of zone against that. We'll see if that's the case, but to your point, you still might want to walk Byron Murphy up over Justin Jefferson and jam him off the ball, even if he's playing in his own room. Well, zone or even just in general, Byron Murphy's still the guy you look for to make a play back there more than, not more than the safeties, but more than anybody else at corner. Okay, um, my second fulcrum football player is Zach Ertz. Yeah, that's right. Zach Ertz, once again, he needs to work the middle of the field, and I'd love to see Zach Ertz get about 10 targets in this game. About 10 targets right now. D-Hop, I'd love to see D-Hop get 10 targets. To your point, you already took D-Hop. I couldn't take him. That's... But I wanted to see him about 10 targets for 8 receptions, 87 yards, and a touchdown somewhere in that vicinity. And then Kyler is spreading the ball to everybody else, including Robbie Anderson, taking some shots down the field. And then look, everybody, it's Zach Ertz running in between the numbers. Dink, 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 dunk. Um, Ten times want to see Wait. Zach Ertz get is, targeted. Is dink, 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 dunk like dunk, 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 dunk? No, oh, okay, no, it's, it's different. dink, 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 and dunk. Okay. You know what I mean? No, no I understand. Dink, dink, it just okay. sounded very similar to yeah, the dunk song. It's not. All right, uh, third pick for me. I, f- I fear that we have sort of overlooked this guy a little bit this week, and I hope it doesn't come back to burn the Cardinals. They're probably not overlooking him. Dalvin Cook is still one of the more dangerous running backs in the NFL. Feel great. Poetic justice. So Dalvin Cook will be my pick here. If they, if they could shut down Dalvin Cook, I really like the Cardinals' chances. I don't know that you can shut down Justin Jefferson, but if you can shut down Dalvin Cook, I think they can win this game. Yeah, you know, it's so weird the way Kevin O'Connell um, has really made this a passing offense for the most part. Um Dalvin Cook is really, really good, and he's averaging almost five yards a carry. So to your point, if they want to go ahead and remain balanced, I think that probably is an excellent choice. He's only got 12 catches this year, too. 
Yeah. I feel like he's usually... 16 targets, right? Yeah, he typically... 16. Think co- about it, man. A couple years ago, he had 63 oh, targets. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, that's what I'm saying, man. He, they, totally. They don't, <laughs> they don't throw him the ball as much as they should, man. <laughs> um, okay, Babes and Onions, I'm going to go with my third Fulcrum football player, Billy Price. I like big butts and I cannot lie. Stop it, Billy Price. <laughs> Stop it, man. I mean, honestly, I don't think Rodney Hudson is playing. Ron Wolfley reporting. I don't think he's he's playing. Now, that's my opinion. I shouldn't have said it like that. No, but it feels that's like... That's my opinion. Well, Cliff, Cliff said something earlier this well, week. He was like, did. hopefully we get him back in a couple weeks. He did, but they haven't rolled him out, they okay? Not I'm him not out. reporting anything. Um, no, I did not say that, but... It doesn't look good. And because of that, Billy Price. Ooh, Billy, 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 Billy. Billy, you actually played really, really well against the New Orleans Saints, man. And you had one bad snap. And during warm-ups, you had multiple bad snaps. And um, we can't have any bad snaps, especially on the road at U.S. Bank Stadium. We cannot have it. So Billy Price has got to go out. He's got to play well once again. And he's got to have good snaps because you want your confidence level to be high with your quarterback. That's not going to be a shock to anybody. You want your quarterback to be confident. It all starts with the exchange. The center quarterback exchange. Whether you're under center, in the shotgun, in the pistol, you have to have confidence the ball is going to be snapped correctly. Billy Price is my third fulcrum football player. And he's your last fulcrum football player because we're way late to break. So we only went three rounds this week. You went with Robbie Anderson, Zach Ertz, Billy Price. I went with D-Hop, Byron Murphy, and Dalvin Cook. Byron Murphy. Byron Murphy, the six players most likely to swing the game on Sunday. When we come back, the Cardinals are pretty beat up heading into Sunday's game. Minnesota, not so much. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Football Friday with Wolf and Luke. Presented by 72 Soul. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Alright, welcome back to the show. The uh, the injury report is here. Wolf, however, is not. Where is Wolf? Oh, there he is. All right. Wolf is here just in time to talk a little Cardinals-Vikings injury so report. You missed, you missed the entire Vikings injury report. You ready for it? Okay, yeah. Nobody. Give it to me again. Nobody. That's, Nobody. That's their injury report. They don't have anybody. Think about this right now. The Minnesota Vikings have played six games, and they've missed one man game. One starter missed one game. Ladies and gentlemen, do you, do you realize the impossibility that that truly is? It's irritating. I've never even heard anything like that. That you've played six games, man, and you've missed one game from a starter. Incredible. What did you say about Russell Wilson yesterday when we were talking about him doing high knees down the middle of the airport? Oh, you're so perfect. I know, you're Mr. Perfect. He is, though. I mean, he just looks at you and he knows, and you know, he's perfect. (laughs) Until you look at his record with the Denver Broncos. Yeah, Yeah, right. And then you kind of look at him and you start questioning, uh, what are you doing? Especially late at night. Start doing high knees down the middle of the uh, the airplane. Uh, For the Cardinals, and look. 
It's not like I want anybody in Minnesota to be hurt. What's irritating is not that they don't have injuries. It's that the Cardinals have all of the injuries. If you said coming into this game, oh, there's you know there's 17 guys that might play. I want it all, Luke. Give it to me all. Well, here, here we go. This I is, want uh, all of it. This is through yesterday. I don't think you want all of it once I start reading you these. So a couple guys came off the injury report for the Cardinals, but they were Zach Ertz and Kelvin Beecham who weren't even hurt. It was just rest. J.J. Watt, rest on Wednesday, okay? Yeah. So here is Thursday. Did not practice. Max Garcia, shoulder. Dennis Gardeck, ankle. Rodney Hudson, knee. D.J. Humphreys, back. Christian Matthew, hamstring. Those are the did not practices. Yeah. Here's the limited practices. Jalen Thompson, calf, James Conner, ribs, Cody Ford, ankle, Matt Prater, hip. That Matt Prater hip has been a, the bane of the Cardinals' existence this yes. year. Daryl Williams, knee, and uh, Trayvon Mullen with the hamstring did practice. That's a lot of okay, not just players, key okay, players. Right. Yeah. Okay, so you're telling me there's a chance for James Conner. Is that what you're saying? Um, James Conner and Daryl Williams. Let me, let me scroll through the first eight pages of the Cardinals' yeah, injury report. Right, thank yeah. you. I appreciate it. He was limited. Limited. He was limited. Limited Luke. ribs. He was. Yeah, well, Sounds like a barbecue special. Okay. <laughs> he was limited. Um, here, here's the one thing that I, I have noticed. This is just me. But um, James Conner, when he's nicked up, he's not nearly as effective because he doesn't run the ball as effective as when he isn't. And that makes perfect sense to me. It just does, right? It just broke my brain. Well, we'll think about <laughs> it, right? I mean,. If he's got a little nick, if he's got something wrong with him, I don't see him finish runs the way that I want to see him finish runs. And they have the guys behind him where if he can't run like that, then just let Eno run. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Because once again, uh, he runs the ball in a very physical kind of way. It's one of the reasons why James Conner gets nicked up. He chooses the third rail of rushing the ball. Often. The third rail where you run right over somebody. You don't go to the left. You don't go to the right. You run right over somebody, and that's what James Conner will do. And and if you're going to do that, you're going to get nicked up, and he does. And yet, when he gets nicked up, I don't think he's nearly as effective because he's not finishing runs the way that he typically does. Well, yeah. So that's why I'm going to go to somebody else. I'm going to go to Daryl Williams. Oh, wait a minute. You can't go to him either. He's nicked up, too. Okay. Sorry. How about on the offensive line? Okay, well, you got Rodney Hudson. No, no. Do you have DJ Hump? Oh, yeah. Uh, Cody Ford. Well, Justin Max Gardner. Oh, no. Okay, that's only five offensive linemen that either aren't or might not play in this game. Honestly, right now, I mean, woe is me. Let's check back in on Minnesota and their offensive line. Who do you guys have (laughs) missing? Oh, everybody's perfectly healthy? Okay. Everybody. All right. They're all good, especially coming off a bye. Can you imagine right now? Not not just healthy, but rested. Feeling refreshed. Boy, Um, this is going to be really, really good. The desperation right now is building in me, and I'm not even going to (laughs) play. The desperation is building inside of me right now. Can you imagine the opportunity the Arizona Cardinals have in front of them right now? Listen, being one game under 500 is so big. Getting ready to head into November. Being one game under 500. What about two games under 500? Do you no, know thanks. how well, not interested. Do you know what that feels like? Two games under 500. So now all of a sudden you have an opportunity to go up there US Bank Stadium, win a game and all of a sudden you're at, okay, we hit the reset button. We're 4 and 4. D-Hop is back. Here we go, boys. Let's make a run. The old adage, the old saying, you make a run in November, you win games in November to make a run in December, man. 
That's the old coaching adage, and it's there for the taking with the Arizona Cardinals if they could just win this game. It's a good time to get back to even because your next three games are Seattle, the Rams, and the 49ers. And there's a pretty good chance, Wolf, if you win this game on Sunday, then you're welcoming the Seahawks to State Farm Stadium a week from Sunday with first place in the division on the line. I mean, everybody's bunched up, but yeah. right now Seattle's in first place. Great. And either L.A. or San Francisco is going to fall further back this weekend because they're playing each other. So as far as the time to, to hit the reset button, it doesn't get a whole lot better than right now, considering the way the season has started. You'd much rather be 6-1 and one going into this game. I'd much rather be 5-1 and one Minnesota. The Cardinals have not looked good on offense, but they did look better in their most recent game. They're a little rested up, not like Minnesota, but they, I mean, it is, it's, it's yeah. the mini-buy. The problem is with all those names I just read, that doesn't even account for a guy like Richard Lawrence who's on IR. Here's Vance Joseph. Well, next man up. You know, obviously he's a big part of our run defense, and he, he's, he's been playing really well you know, as, a, as a nose for us, and that's a big part of being 3-4 defense, controlling the A-gaps, you know, especially with this run game that runs lateral. So he's, he's had a good year thus far. So losing him won't help us. You know, obviously that, you know, it's not good for your team to lose your starting nose. But next man up, you know, we'll see uh, what happens on Sunday. But we've got guys who are capable and guys who are eager to play for us. Yeah, man, Richard Lawrence was turning into something. And um, he's going to continue to grow, there's no doubt. But I'm a little worried. I'm just concerned with Richard Lawrence because I have seen guys that, for whatever reason, they just couldn't stay healthy. And I'm hoping that's not going to be his career. I'm hoping that's not going to define his career. Now, once again, I'm not saying he's he's in danger of losing his job. Heck no. Um, uh, this guy, I think, is going to be in the NFL for a long, long time, have a 10-year career. Career. I just wonder how healthy that career is going to be for him. That feels like one of those players, too, where there's not a lot of fanfare around the nose tackle on the team. But when he's not there, you're like, well, why is Dalvin Cook able to run right up the middle? Why why, why is Kirk Cousins not getting pressure from these other guys? It's because Rashard Lawrence isn't up there doing Rashard Lawrence things. The only reason I even brought him up was that he's not even on the injury report because he's on IR. Here's Cliff Kingsbury earlier in the week. Hey, have you uh, ever dealt with this many injuries? Not um, like this just yet, but a lot of them aren't um, season-ending, which is good. You know, Hopefully we'll get them back at some point, but we we got to be able to stay healthy. And get some consistency. That's where we are. At least they're not season ending. <laughs> yeah. It's just amazing. You, you go ahead on ESPN, of course, and you click on the depth chart. And ESPN does an excellent job with the depth charts. Yeah. And you click on it and bring the teams up. And the Arizona Colonels have what, seven? <laughs> questions that you see a lot of red they either put it's, an O after you yeah. meaning you're out or you're you're um doubtful or questionable whatever it may be they'll they'll record that they'll put the ir when you look at the cardinals depth chart there's a lot of red on that you bring up the vikings especially their starters there's absolutely nothing there I, yeah it's truly it's amazing man it's i see 11 Q's on the Cardinals page and nine IRs. And then, yeah, let me just roll over to the Vikings page. Oh, it's it's so clean. We've got more room for advertising. Like, there's nothing. There's no issues with yeah. the Vikings. Yeah. And it doesn't really matter when the game starts. I mean, the Cardinals are going to have to find a way to win this game. Minnesota is the healthier team. They're the home team. They are the more comfortable team with the 5-1 and one record. The Cardinals, though, 
They still have talent on offense. I I am worried about the offensive line. I'm not even going to sugarcoat that, Wolf. Going into this game and beyond, I don't know how you can not be at least concerned about not having your offensive line or half of your offensive line. But you still have you still have talent at the skill positions. You still have talent on this defense. And like I said earlier, you have more desperation, or at least you should, than Minnesota. If Minnesota loses this game, they're five and two. They're probably still two plus games ahead of Green Bay for first in the division. The Cardinals need this game more than Minnesota. Yeah, um, yeah, they do, man. I mean, it's it's right there. Minnesota sitting there at five and one. We were talking about this earlier, and I think we're going to talk about it again. But sitting there at five and one right now, yeah, okay, you've had a great start, no doubt about it. I don't know if their desperation level is going to be very high. The Arizona Cardinals' desperation level should be through the roof to get a win to go on the road the opportunity of getting back to four and four man um it seems like a long long way back when they were two and four and just how bad that felt to be two and four coming out of the seattle seahawks game and how they played against the seahawks especially offensively and now all of a sudden you've got the opportunity to get back and hit the reset button at four and four. This game is huge. Getting ready to go into November. You win games in November to make a run in December. Uh, this would be a good week to jump out of the gate early, which I know has been an issue offensively. But maybe you catch Minnesota a little slow coming off their bye week too. Show that desperation on the first drive of the game. That would be ideal. Uh, when we come back, there's a lot going on. World Series starts tonight. Coyotes opening their uh, arena in Tempe tonight at ASU. You've got the Suns. There's a ton of stuff going on. All of today's top sports stories next with uh, Wolf and Down Your Lunch. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.